We'll do it live. Fuck it. Do it live. I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live. Fucking saying sucks. I didn't hear her voice well enough, so I didn't know if like it was your mom or not. And I wanted to be like, your mom sounds hot. <laughs> but I was like, I don't know exactly who that was. So I don't. I want my jo- my joke to land. I, I was thinking that too, but <laughs> I'm I mean, glad I'm not alone. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> live show this week, y'all. It's Nick, he, him from the Intervention Podcast. We got Ward, he, him from Turn Leftist. Nat, he, him from the uh, Collective Action Comics, and we got Jared, he, him, our comrade from Down Under. How y'all doing? Oh, yeah. Hello. Feeling pretty good. Yeah, we're feeling really good. And first, I think collectively, we want to extend our congratulations to uh, President Xi Jinping on his uh, re-election to a third term as the uh, as the leader of China. And I think that's kind of leader of the free world, right? The last best hope for fucking humanity and Mm -hmm. socialism on the planet. So uh, we're glad we're glad to have him everywhere, even though we're not under his jurisdiction. But uh, I think that's what we're going to talk about tonight. I mean, there's a lot going on with China across the world, diplomatically, um, unfortunately, militarily. So I think we're just going to kind of do a roundup um, on the respective places that we live and kind of talk about all that. So, Jared, I know you came prepared with a bunch of information about how Australia is getting manipulated into some kind of war, potentially proxy war with China at the behest of the U.S. So maybe you can give us an update there. Yeah, so um, I don't know if anyone I don't know if anyone who's listening is aware. I'm sure they've heard of I'm sure they've heard of AUKUS. I'm sure most people have like heard of AUKUS to some extent. It doesn't it doesn't get as much like it doesn't get talked about as much as like NATO or you know other uh, quote unquote alliances. Even though this is not a fucking this it really isn't like an alliance since it just seems to be like uh, from what I can tell. So let so I'll just start by saying AUKUS is like it's AUK AUKUS is A U uh uh a uk us so it's america it's australia and it's england um who already had military alliances since fucking like before world war one they've had I, I know australia and england have had military alliances since like before world war one uh america and australia have been military allies already since like uh i think also world war one i'm not too sure on that one but definitely after the british um but for some reason we need another alliance um but this one's different uh in in that the only country that's like paying any amount of money for it is uh australia um, <laughs> <laughs> so, like, pay your due yeah <laughs> yeah for years of join the frat yeah this is like um america's like just getting money they're just receiving the money and the uk is like completely broke because of like their economies in the fucking toilet because of like Brexit and what they've been up dragging to the lifeless corpse of the fucking UK behind us now, along with mm-hmm. all our military and imperialist ventures. I don't, I'm pretty, I, I'm not sure if this is right, but I think Australia is going to catch up to, or it would be close, not far behind like the wealth of the UK, certainly per, per capita, Australia is probably richer than the UK, but like they're fucking, their shit's, they're done for the four, <laughs> the UK is like, yeah, they're done. You'd love to see it, though. You'll love to hey, see especially it. Especially if I have anything to say about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's so, a yeah, great sentiment so, on St. Paddy's Day here in the U.S. as well. Oh, it's good. It's great to see. I mean, like, um, 
from what I can tell, I did a little bit of research on like the UK's uh, contributions to Orcas, and it's like nothing. It's basically uh-huh. nothing. Same with the yeah, the same with the US, which is also nothing. And then ours is oh, the US is going to give so. One of the main things with AUKUS is the US is going to give Australia, like, uh, eight submarines. Eight. Because we already have four. People keep saying we it's going to be 12 submarines, but we already have four. Oh. So we're going to have eight submarines by uh, 2200 uh, or something. Uh, it's like, <laughs> in about 600 years, we'll have an extra eight uh, submarines <laughs> for the low, low price of $368 billion uh, US dollars. Um, that we've uh, that we're going to pay for over the course of forty years. So that's when we'll get it in, like I think it's twenty forty or twenty sixty, something like that. Um, and when you account for inflation, uh, that cost is going to be about one point three or one point one trillion dollars. Um, and Australia's GDP is uh, three trillion dollars. So we're like paying a third of one year's GDP on eight submarines that would not help us in a war with anyone. Like, because our military is very tiny. We got a very tiny military. A couple of extra submarines isn't really going to make a difference. So that's kind of the gist of this, the whole AUKUS thing, just in a, in a little nutshell, is that Australia is being, like, Australia is being basically ripped off um, by the United States. And then on top of that, we're uh, being geared up for, like, a proxy war. We're going to be, like, the staging ground, mm-hmm. maybe, for Taiwan. I don't know what what the proxy war will be, but they're talking about putting... Um, they're talking about at the moment about stationing more troops um, in Australia and having that's another part of the Orca deal is not only is it the submarines but also um, they get to just own a couple of our ports for some reason they just get to own a couple of our ports mm-hmm. and they'll be dedicated to just maintaining submarines and American ships so it's a really really awesome deal um, <laughs> it's basically Welcome to the global south right brother <laughs> yeah right yeah it's great. Yeah, we're like the we're probably the richest country in the global south. We're not really a global south country, but um, that we're sure working on making sure we become one. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's so funny so that you funny. mentioned that you're not a global south country because, like, at the same time, we always talk about the West and never include South America in that. Mm. So, you know yeah. what? Do, what do those definitions even mean? Yeah, yeah well, I that's mean, the West like... includes Japan and Australia and New Zealand, right? Mm. Right. They mean like, what I want them to mean. Yeah. In that yeah. moment, and yeah. I hope you better know it because I'm not explaining. <laughs> Maybe they should yeah. just say, um, "Yeah, it sounds to me like what they actually want to say is white countries," um, but they can't get away with saying white countries anymore. So they're going to say, "Oh, it's the global north, it's the north, or it's the west." You know, because that's, that's like a isn't that like a fucking um, uh, that's a dog whistle they use on Fox News all the time? Is they talk about Western culture? western society Mm -hmm. western this western that and it's just a substitute for white yeah you could use judeo-christian countries you could Mm -hmm. do use the free world you know you Uh, you can throw that out there sometimes as well so it's like just be grateful you're part of the free world sorry now there was that there was that simpsons gag in uh one of the episodes where they're like have the super bowl or whatever and they're like it's a tribute to the best hemisphere the western (laughs) hemisphere the dancingest hemisphere there is yeah so i mean it's it's interesting to me because isn't china australia i mean as with a lot of the rest of the world um isn't that the largest trading partner right by far by far (laughs) as in in almost all of our resources that we dig up out of the ground like so uh, so people people don't realize this right but 
Australia has more resources than anyone else on the planet. Literally anyone else on the planet. We have the largest lithium deposits. We have the largest gold deposits. We have the largest diamond deposits. We have the largest, by far, um, coal and iron ore. Iron ore is the big one. China loves the iron ore. They buy all our iron ore. Um, America gets their stuff from lots of different places, but China mostly buys all their stuff from Australia for the most part, which is just an added like absurdity to this whole thing where it's like, um, it's basically, it's we're, we're choosing between like our military sort of alliances and like the economic prosperity of the country. Mm -hmm. It's like, which one is more apparently siding with the U S in a suicidal war is the, um, preferred outcome i guess yeah well i think that that's that that just shows right that like i think if anything if anything is evidence that there's not going to be a hot war it is like our trading partnerships then the, the, the tangled web that those represent right so obviously what we're going to see is just supreme justification for regime change in china without bombing outright right because no one can afford to actually attack china no one everything comes from china or goes to china right like we cannot disrupt the flow of trade we can only subvert who controls that yeah i mean and to that point i mean we're going to get to i think u.s escalation with respect to china like rhetorically at least right now and that obviously involves preparing for something beyond that but even amidst all this it trade between the two countries has done nothing but gone up like it's just it's it's really interesting yeah at the same time like so while australia was doing it's like we were doing our little saber rattling thing with china and then china cut off like trade with like some resources but the resources that they cut off from us were like lobsters and wine yeah. uh, it was just stuff that doesn't like it doesn't matter while they were still buying our iron ore so it's like that if that gives you an idea as to as to the sort of situation where it's more or less like no one can no one in this situation can afford to cut off trade completely which is why to, to your point a war is very unlikely because if they stop by if they if, if china for example cut off iron ore uh it would be very bad for them and it would be very bad for us as well so they're not they're just not going to do it uh but the u.s seems to want want to do it there's no there's there doesn't seem to be like a logic to it but i know there is some kind of like perverted logic to how the american state operates it just doesn't operate on behalf of like well, it doesn't look logical to like normal people who live in these countries but it's logical to the people who've run the united states mm -hmm. to some extent because they're in the care they're, they're focused on their like quarterly profits for like their defense companies and stuff like that you know this deal even though it causes massive tensions and it's going to like cost a lot of money for australia and it increases tensions with china this deal's fucking amazing for for the defense companies in america who are going to they're going to make an absurd amount of money off it mm -hmm. fucking absolutely absurd yeah. i mean i'm i'm interested because it obviously on its face doesn't make a lot of sense for australia is there any kind of like mass sentiment about this? I mean, what is your kind of sense of that? Like, are people like, we're getting fucked here? Or are they like, yeah, we got to support our American allies? I mean, 
I think it's, it's like a mix of that, but in general, what I've noticed from like, and this is just anecdotal, but just from people I've spoken to and stuff like that and hearing other people talk about it online is that even pe most people are still very much like anti, they're like anti-China, most people, um, and pro-America, but at the same time, and they're like, oh yeah, this uh, alliance is good, we like this alliance, blah, 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 but then they're like, but why are we spending $368 billion on eight submarines when that won't help mm -hmm. us if, if a war actually happened? Like I put that graph, I put that graph in, um, in a group chat or something. And you guys, uh, anyone who's listening can easily look up this graph, but it's a difference between the sizes of the military in Australia and China. And it's like, if, and let me, let me preface this by saying China has no intention of invading Australia or fighting a war with Australia absolutely none mm -hmm. however if it did happen no eight submarines isn't going to make a difference <laughs> like, we would get so fucked yeah eight we leaking would... submarines yeah eight leaking american-made submarines which will probably break <laughs> down after two weeks you know another thing we got ripped off with is we bought your fucking stupid planes those f-35s <laughs> yeah those flying lemons did you know that because of where they were made in America, which has a very different climate to Australia, because they were made there, they didn't do any kind of testing about how those like planes um, can work in like a very hot and humid country. Oh my god! So the ones that we have, yeah, the ones that we bought here have to be kept in a uh, climate-controlled and humidity-controlled warehouse. <laughs> and, oh. and more than half of them are out of duty at any one time more than half of them are out of duty at any one time being fixed because of damage to the because of the humidity and the heat so fucking good it's a, it's it's it would be funny if it wasn't just like a horrendous like like a horrendous like um theft of taxpayer money oh, and yeah. sovereignty you know dude there's a there's a whole book i forget what it's called but it's by andrew coburn um and it is all about the absolute, like, travesty. Well, I mean, I say travesty, you know, it depends on how you look at it, of the, um, of, like, defense spending in America and, like, how costs are cut at every opportunity. So, like, while we do spend the most money on defense, none of our shit works. None of it. Like, you can see footage of, like, people in Iraq, like, shouting, like, or, like soldiers in Iraq shouting at Donald Rumsfeld, like, how come all of our tanks blow up? Like, how come we get shot even though we're sitting inside a tank? And, like, I imagine that those planes are going to go under the water faster than those submarines are. Oh, yeah. Big time. Um, we've got, we've got, um, yeah, we actually sent out Bushmasters. Do you, know, do you guys know what Bushmasters are? Mm -hmm. So they're, like, troop transports made in Australia, right? We, they're, what they're good for is being shot at by AK-47s and improvised <laughs> explosive devices. So we're not currently engaged in a war like that anymore. So what we've done is we've shipped our Bushmasters off to Ukraine to give to the Ukrainian army. And guess what happened against a conventional army? They just got tortured. <laughs> they just got torn to shreds. They've all, I'm pretty sure all of them have been destroyed. Um, using the Ukrainians as like guinea pigs, basically. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it's just like, it's a fucking extension of, uh, all I'm thinking about here is like how, you know, you hear like, older folks the older generations talk about how like you know they've got a refrigerator from the 50s that still works and shit like that and this is just an extension of like how production 
is done under capitalism. It is mm-hmm. forced obsolescence, designed obsolescence is what I meant to say, right? Like where the shit breaks constantly. So you're forced to go out and continually either pay to fix or just repurchase that thing, right? And this is mm-hmm. just applied on, you know, pieces of equipment, which are millions of dollars, right? And risk human lives because like, you know, we're putting fucking working people into these tanks that are designed to break mm-hmm. ultimately. So we can buy another one from fucking Lockheed Martin or, you know, uh, general dynamics or wherever the fuck they come from anyway. But it's the same, it's the same principles applied here, isn't it? And more important, and just, sorry, just as importantly, they're built, they're built, they're built not with like long-term anything in mind. Like all American military equipment basically is built, was built, like, stuff that was built, like, during the War on Terror, the quote-unquote War on Terror, um, was built to massacre, f- like, farmers in the Middle East, right? Poorly armed, poorly trained farmers who can't, who aren't capable of destroying tanks. They're not really capable of destroying tanks and stuff like that because they just don't have the equipment. You take that equipment, you put it in a conventional war against an actual army, like what's happening in, like, Ukraine and Russia right now, and you're, see- you're seeing in real time that this stuff just doesn't cut it. And I think that's the ultimate, that's like the ultimate indictment of like military spending in capitalism. Is it just, mm-hmm. not only is it like a horrendous waste of money, but they build it in like fucking thinking, thinking about, well, this is just for, this is just for massacring farmers in Yemen or like blowing up weddings in Yemen and stuff like that. That's what this stuff's for. They can't fight back. Um, so it doesn't need to be good. But then they send, like, they just sent their, pa- you, you guys just sent your Patriot missiles to Ukraine, right? And you've sent Patriot missiles to Saudi Arabia. And both of those, in both of those countries where you sent Patriot missiles, they've come back and been like, yo, these don't work. Like, these don't fuck. They don't, yeah. they can't intercept. Are they, the Patriot one's the one that intercepts missiles, right? Is that? I don't know. Yeah, I believe so. Um, I believe so. Or I thought it yeah. was HIMRAVS. I forget which one it is, but either one, they're coming back and they're like, yeah, these things can't catch missiles. Like, they just, they just <laughs> fucking miss. It's, yeah. It's such, a fucking, it's such a fucking joke. And you think if, if there was ever, like, a war between... If there was ever between a, a war between America and um, China, you just have to think, you know, these very expensive bullshit planes versus a very cheap Chinese plane, who's going to win? Probably the very cheap Chinese plane. I wouldn't, like... Plain design cheap- to win. Yeah. Yeah, I mean they've um they've mocked this out and we mm. lose. It would get paid. Inshallah, you know. <laughs> get get totally greased. But you know, it but I think that brings us to like the next point that we kind of wanted to bring up, right? Which is like like the um escalation of rhetoric, right, against China, right, that we've been seeing. Um really ramping up. I mean, Rishi Sunak just said that, like, like in some public statement, that China was the greatest threat to the world stage now, like yesterday yeah. or today. Yeah, it's 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 crazy. I mean, and people are getting, you know, these talk shit, these talking heads are getting, you know, paraded about talking about, you know, again, the inevitable fall of China. But like a specific example, I think we all wanted to talk about was I think it was like three weeks ago. Now, there was an article that came out in The Wall Street Journal about how the DOE is essentially adopting the thesis that COVID, basically validating the lab leak theory of COVID, right? So again, just to kind of, hey, remember everyone, this is this was China's fault, you know? And it's interesting, and I want to make three quick points about this. So, you know, you, you get into the article a little bit, and it references a 
classified document that they're referencing to make this conclusion. Okay. So like, why the fuck can't I read this? Right? Like, why is it not accessible mm -hmm. to me? That's first thing that raises, you know, my alarm bells. Second, the agency admits that their conclusion is a low confidence conclusion, right? So statistically, whatever, they don't know shit, but they're still going to put this forward, which just implies to me that it's purely for politics, which as we know, right? Third, that Wall Street Journal article that I'm talking about here was written by Michael R. Gordon, who basically, I mean, I think he initiated kind of the insanity of the lab leak theory from Wuhan to begin with. And on top of that, he was also one of the leading voices talking about um, Saddam's quest for A-bombs and WMDs in Iraq, right? So this guy's clearly on the take. So I guess, like, in summation here, you're really expecting me to believe this now from the folks that one killed Fred Hampton because the FBI is the only other fucking government agency that is adopting this, this thesis, right? So it's the folks that killed Fred Hampton and the guys that manage our fucking nuclear arsenal because that's what the DOE does in this country, right? First and foremost and more than anything. And then on top of that, from some motherfucker who, you know, promoted the fucking war in Iraq and is clearly on the take, like I said. So it's like, but the, the timing of this, when you kind of frame it within the rest of this rhetoric, Nat, as you were saying, is just like, it's, it's extremely obvious on its face with what's going mm -hmm. on. And there's a countless other examples. I'm sure you guys can speak to it as well. But the rhetoric is insane. It's really divorced from reality. If you do any kind of research into China's behavior, what China is saying, read any of their documents, et cetera, et cetera. What's um, really ramped up the rhetoric in Australia, um, that the rhetoric has been like ramping up in Australia over the last couple of years, influenced entirely by the US. We have a lot of US funded think tanks here because Australia is just a mm -hmm. uh, CIA output, outpost at this point. Um, but the only thing that's had any kind of pushback is like a former prime minister, um, Keating, Paul Keating. And I mentioned him when I was an episode of Turn Leftist because he's the guy who brought in neoliberalism to Australia, right? He's one of the guys who brought it in. So this guy who's piece of shit, Labour politician, who I have a begrudging respect for, for this specific thing I'm about to talk about, but he brought in neoliberalism, right? This is Mr. Neoliberal. He is not a pro-China guy at all. He's a very much pro-America, pro-Western guy, but he's been saying for fucking years, and he just went on TV for the National Press Club to say, what the fuck is going on? But there is no reason for us to have uh, unfriendly relations with China. Uh, why are we spending $368 billion on these fucking submarines? And also, why are we preparing ourselves for a war? And why is every single journalist on this press club in support of it? And I'm the only person pushing back. He's the only person pushing back. He called up, he said, hey, um, do you guys know what Sky News is? Oh, yeah. It's like a... Yeah, spin off of Fox News. Is that or Murdoch? Yeah, that's it is yeah, Murdoch. Murdoch. Yeah. A Sky News reporter said to Paul uh, to Paul Keating just two days, two or three days ago. He was like, "Why did, why do you think that uh, China is not a threat to Australia and there won't be a war?" And he literally responded to this reporter by saying, "Because I have a fucking brain. Do you have one?" <laughs> that's a Chavez yes. level response. Yeah. Oh, dude, Paul Keating. He um, he. Fucking rules. Uh, he's like, he's like, his little quips are like pretty good. I don't like him because of his neoliberalism or whatever. Right, right. Uh, and he privatized a lot of stuff, but he will say stuff like this. And he has, he's a rational guy as far as this foreign policy stuff goes. And he literally, he also said that um, 
Yeah, and he's attacking his own party. His own party is who's in power right now. That's who he's attacking. His own party. He's saying, this is fucking, this whole thing is absolutely stupid. Um, he said, he called his party, he actually called his party incompetent and said uh, it was, ser quote unquote, seriously unwise. Um, and also said, and then s because he started talking about that, they brought up with him at the press club. They were like, oh, what about the Uyghurs? Oh my God. And that's like, and his response to that was, which was a pretty good response, uh, he said, uh, he brushed it aside by saying, there are disputes about what the nature of the Chinese affront to the Uyghurs is. Um, and, th and then also said that Taiwan is not a vital interest of Australia, uh, but a civil matter for China. Um, mm. Like, this, this should be like the standard stuff that all the leaders are like saying, but... Yes. Yeah, this is the only guy who's saying it and he has no power. And because he said this, they are now, only now, talking about, there's now, only now there is pushback against this $368 billion deal because this guy came forwards because he's a very well-respected former prime minister. It's crazy how, like, everyone I've spoken to, ordinary people, have been saying for fucking months about AUKUS. They've been like, what the fuck is this? No one listens. It takes the it takes a former prime minister to come forwards for people to listen because the the media doesn't the media doesn't put anyone on who's like a normal ordinary person. They just don't they just don't operate that way. Um, yeah. Same here. Yeah. Mm. But that the this ramping up in like rhetoric is hopefully there's going to be more pushback now that Keating's come out. But you know what people have people have like pointed out about Keating? He was on the board of a Chinese bank and got paid five grand. Once. Yeah, they're like, he's, yeah, they're like, he's compromised. He got paid five grand. Um, like, bro, he's, he's a fucking millionaire. Do you think he, like, he fucking cares about five grand? Like, <laughs> they paid his travel expenses. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> he was on the board of the Chinese Reserve Bank and he left that position over five years ago. Uh, and that's what, that's what people have to discredit him. That's like, I don't. I don't fucking know. It's so stupid. I'm upset he left. <laughs> yeah, you should still be there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if my only option is a neoliberal, I mean, it sounds like I want that neoliberal, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, it's like Hammer Carter. Yeah. I no, guess but... what's just so amazing to me is that over here, I think, and I don't know, Nat Ward, if you guys are seeing this, but it seems like there's some fatigue setting in with the Ukraine war. Right. I mean, as Seymour Hersh's article comes out, as you know, more and more politicians call this a proxy war, exactly what we've been saying since really the onset of it. Um, and, you know, every few weeks, Biden sends in another fucking bill over there, another billion. It, it just seems like a lot of working people are like, OK, like something weird's going on here. Mm -hmm. But what's so fucking frustrating is that they're not recognizing in the same way that they got ginned up for support for this war, that the same thing is going on with China. Mm -hmm. And I think it's interesting because the anti-China rhetoric is not new. I mean, we're talking about how it's been ramped up recently, but I mean, we saw, you know, an increase in anti-Asian hate crimes during the Trump administration for one. I mean, and it really goes back beyond that. I mean, we saw Obama, looking to pivot to Asia, right? And that was all part of this project because this is kind of like a long scheme, a long, a long-term scheme more than anything by the ruling class. But, and it's just frustrating to see people kind of not recognize the same patterns here, right? Like we mentioned 
the same guy that called out the WMDs is like resurfacing with articles in the Wall Street Journal. It's like, yeah, it's it's fucking nakedly obvious. But yeah, the yeah. propaganda blitz on China has been insane always, um, like yeah. from organ harvesting now to Uyghurs and like it's just nonstop. Like there's no. constant articles uh, just levied at China um, news uh, news coverage just ridiculous things constantly coming out about china but like this rhetoric isn't just like com i liked what you said earlier nick when you're like uh it's not it's divorced from reality in terms of like the reality the material reality in china like shit's good in china it's not bad yeah by any means um but like on the reverse side it's not divorced from reality because we have the AUKUS deal we have the u.s um setting up new uh, Navy bases or old Navy bases that they rebought and are rebuilding up um, in the Philippines. And they're putting offensive missile systems in Japan. And like, they're open about them being offensive. Hmm. It's, yeah, it's going to get bad here. Not to mention, it, it you really know, is. You know, oh, sorry. Do you want to go? Oh, you, you go, go for it. Oh, okay. Um, Australia has got 50 us military bases, 50. Yeah, but people think we only have one. We actually have 50, and we have to pay for them. And we're getting more... They're going to put more troops in them in the coming years. That's part of the plan. More troops. And as I said earlier, there's a bunch of our ports are going to America. Um, they're going to be sold to America to as part of this deal, right? They have to... They get to use them. Did you know one of the biggest things that uh, people in this country bring up about, like, China... Because you, you know how... I, I'm sure you have a similar thing in America where they go, oh, China's buying up the whole country, right? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things people used to bring up was, oh, China owns, there's a Chinese company that owns the port in the city that I live in, right? Um, I believe it's the port of the city I live in. A Chinese company owns it. It's a coal port. Like a, it's a coal port, right? It's coal ships, right? That was the big issue. It was like, oh, China owns one of our ports. This is a massive security threat and a threat to our sovereignty. Then we just fucking sold like three ports to America. Like, and they're going to be used for military stuff. Only military for maintaining these submarines. Like, I don't know. It's fuck. I hate this country. <laughs> we know the feeling. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just, yeah, sorry. Just one more point. Um, just look yeah. at foreign investment, right? In general. If you look at a graph, people talk about like China buying up the country. Most foreign investment by far, almost half is from the United States. You know who the next biggest foreign investor in Australia is? The UK. China is like fourth or fifth down the list. Anyway, that's the last. That's the last point. It's all there's just. It's all so fucked up. You know, I, I think what really galls me about uh, at least the U.S.'s stance towards China and particularly Taiwan doesn't every country in the whole world recognize legally that Taiwan is part of China? Yeah, basically. Yeah, I mean the U.S. certainly does. The U.S. does. Yeah, through the Taiwan Relations Act. It's on like, the State Department site. Website. I'm looking at it right now. I want to <laughs> read this to you, right? So it says, U.S.-Taiwan relationship. As a leading democracy which, and a technological powerhouse, <laughs> Taiwan is a key U.S. partner in the Indo-Pacific. Though the United States does not, have a, does not have diplomatic relations with Taiwan, we have a robust unofficial relationship, which is very silly. But then it says the United States approach to Taiwan has remained consistent across decades and administrations. The United States has a long-standing one China policy, which is guided by the Taiwan Relations Act. 
Like it's right there. We they they're they're just like undercutting what they themselves have said. I mean, it doesn't think, matter. They just I mean our state just makes the rules and we make them at whim. I mean, yeah, I mean, know, I wasn't we, we all to, know like, that. We all know that here, you know. But China's sorry. also it's just had a frustrating. China's also had a long-standing policy of if you want to trade with China, you have to recognize Taiwan as part of China. That's part of that, which is a fucking big dick move. I love it. It's awesome. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that literally, literally, that's that's the main reason why America officially recognizes Taiwan as part of China is because you cannot trade with China unless you recognize Taiwan as part of China officially, mm-hmm. which is pretty funny. Um, pretty funny to think about it's crazy how you can like officially recognize something and then also do everything in your power and also officially not recognize it as well mm-hmm. <laughs> i just like it's great yeah it's pretty crazy one of my favorite like styles of like the shot chaser kind of headline comparison is like every time you see something some headline where it's like uh u.s considering placing sanctions on this whatever kind of technology from China. And then the chaser headline is China injects 3 trillion yuan investment in that particular technology sector so it can be self-sufficient. And I'm like, China's going to be fine. China does not need us. Like, Yeah, and because if they do find that some kind of like trade breaks down, they're able to plan. I mean, we have evidence of this. They're able to coordinate shifts within their production shifts and plan out based on changing conditions in a coordinated manner across the entire country, which is fucking mm-hmm. astounding. And it's something that we could never, ever even sniff in terms of coordinating some kind of national effort to bring in production here because of how we're fucking, how we're motivated, how this society is constructed. And like, you know, we get so tired of always talking about, you know, how we need to uphold China as something different as a socialist country, because that's what it is. They are the best hope for actually existing socialism in the world right now. Right. And but like, and, and like, yeah, yeah, exactly. And, but like, I just think that that's just, it's a good example of like, if you look at what they do in terms of city planning and how they actually plan out production based on, you know, needs of the people, it's completely fucking different. And it allows them to be, I mean, and this is what is going to allow them to, I think, withstand whatever we're trying to throw at them here. I think so too. Um, And I think that, that, you know, we saw all that, we also, that headline, I think from Mint Press about um, the revealed documents saying that the U.S. is trying to use AI to like sow seeds of discord and distrust in the Chinese government among its citizenship. And I just have to say good luck. Like, they materially help everyone in that, every single person in that country. The government has materially helped, except for billionaires with rocks. But, um, you know, like, what are you going to believe? Somebody saying something or somebody doing something? 90% support for the CPC as found by a Harvard study, just as a mm-hmm. reminder. Harvard, known for its pro-China stance. <laughs> and not producing the fucking elite bastards that rule this fucking country. Yeah, that was a long-term study, too, done by Harvard. Really? hmm Yeah. You can, like, it's it's funny, because, like, I, I was having this, like, discussion with someone at work um, the other day, and they were, like, talk, they started like, talking about Tiananmen Square. And I was like, man... Even, okay, let's, let's pretend Tiananmen Square happened the way it was reported to happen, right? Put that to the side, all right? Bad. Let's pretend it did happen that way, right? Bad. Okay, let's put that to the side. 
let's put to the next to it the material gains that they made, and it's like fucking blows it out of the water. Now let's compare Tiananmen Square to the atrocities of Australia, uh, and the atrocities of the USA. And oh, oh, we're worse. Oh, we're way worse. Wait, like, yeah, even yeah. yeah, that's and that's assuming Tiananmen Square happened the way uh, the Western press mm-hmm. said it happened. Mm-hmm. You know, give them the benefit of the doubt. And let's say it did happen that way, right? Which it didn't, but let's say it did. We are still fucking worse by like a million miles. Like Australia's worse. You know, um, Paul Keating said on the press club, he said, you know, you talk, want to talk about the Uyghurs or whatever. Talk about the Uyghurs. It's like, well, why? What, China can turn around and say, what about your indigenous deaths in custody, Australia? What about your concentration camps in the middle of the ocean where you put refugees? Who are Muslims, by the way? Like the refugees we put in camps that everyone knows about. It's not disputed. They are Muslims. So like, it's a bit like it's calling the... Pot calling the kettle black or however the fuck the saying goes. It's It's like, it's fucking absurd. It's literally absurd. And there's no, there's no basis in reality for fucking any of this. Any of it. No, and it just goes, yeah. And it just goes to this whole idea of like them trying so hard to project China as the aggressor, right? Mm -hmm. Like China is ramping up tensions with the U.S., always that framing but like ward you posted something here from the council on geo strategy here which i mean just displays the encirclement of china through a network of military bases and alliances i don't know if you want to talk about that a little bit since you dropped it in there yeah this was um connected to the uh, AUKUS uh agreement and it's just like outlining um the connection like the southern uh, strategic support from uk to australia and to the us um or from the us to australia and this like encirclement of china um and it can and it's goes to what i was saying earlier about the uh, offensive missiles in japan and new military bases in the philippines like if you look at a chart um and there's like charts that um nato and like the u.s themselves have published uh, maps that they have published of like locations of like known u.s military bases around china and there's a fucking lot it's not like china wants to has this like crazy addiction to like collecting u.s military bases off its <laughs> like off its borders you know it's not that's not anything any country wants to do um and yet we call China the aggressor when they haven't dropped bombs on a foreign country in over 40 years. How many do we drop a day? 1979. Yeah. And I mean, it, it goes to even Russia to an extent um, in this whole grand scheme of things, right? And like, even when we go back and look at like the conflicts that China has been involved with in the past or that Russia has been involved with in the past, they are oftentimes, I mean, they're, they're almost categorical, they, they are categorically so border disputes um things relating to you know foreign encroachment upon like with proxy states as we're seeing in ukraine and things like that but again they're not going halfway around the fucking world to bomb poor people you know i mean we don't like war in any context and things like that but i think we have to understand what china is really what russia is and what they have been are vastly vastly different from what the usa is and i think you know a really concrete example of the differences in behavior on the global stage between the U.S. and China in particular here is this recent rapprochement, the detente that was kind of orchestrated with the help of China between Iran and the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, right? Obviously, 
none, none of us here are fans of the kingdom of Saudi Arabia by any mm-hmm. stretch of the imagination, right? And I can't imagine China is too fucking keen on their human rights abuses and, you know, their repressive regime anyway. But I think we have to look at this from the perspective of the kingdom of Saudi Arabia exists right now and it doesn't look like they're going away, right? But orchestrating some kind of peace between the two dominant powers in this region is a net fucking good. No matter how you want to spin it, this is a net good from the Yemen conflict to the implications for Palestine, this is a good thing, right? And from a material perspective, I mean, you can look at it and say, oh, well, China is the biggest um, importer of oil from the Gulf region, right? And even if you assume that what China did here to secure supply and stability in this region is purely in self-interest, you still have to say that their security of supply, their means of doing so, is vastly different from the U.S. going in and fucking siphoning oil from beneath a sovereign nation's feet. So they behave extremely differently, and that's not even that's that's not even granting them, which I do, some measure of benevolence and eye towards kind of human rights and preventing human mm-hmm. suffering in these situations. So it's fucking different. I mean, all America has, all you have, your economy is entirely reliant on all you have is your guns that's all you have you have your military china uses diplomacy it doesn't use its military to get what it wants america does diplomacy at the end of a gun barrel that's how it does it it's through threats of violence and enacting violence that's the only way it does it um this whole you know relating it to this particular issue you know as you said china negotiated with saudi arabia brokered this deal to get their oil supply right america went in they invaded Right. With uh, Australia-Chinese relations are always based on uh, Australia and China relations in a similar way are always based on negotiations and talks and meetings. And they're usually quite friendly, if not for America. Meanwhile, um, our relations with America are threats at the barrel of a gun. It's the same thing. They would ne- they probably wouldn't invade Australia because we're like a quote unquote Western country. But they, they certainly um, do you guys know who Miz Miz Heimer is? Um, what's his face? I forget his John first Mersheimer? Name. Yep. Yeah. So he, he oh, yeah, yeah, that guy. So he went on TV a while ago. I don't remember what year it was, but he just blank. He just blatantly said to Australian press that um, I, I'll just read this quote, and you can see the difference, and it, it relates directly to what you said about um, Iran and Saudi Arabia, right? So he goes now. This is what Mearsheimer said. He said now some people say there's an alternative. You can go with China. You have a choice here. You can go with China rather than the United States. There's two things I'll say about that. Number one, if you go with China, you want to understand that you are an enemy and you are deciding to become an enemy of the United States. Because again, we're talking about intense security competition. You're either with us or against us. And if you're trading extensively with China, you're friendly with China, you're undermining the United States in this security competition. You're feeding the beast from our perspective, and that's not going to make us happy. And when we are not happy, you do not want to underestimate how nasty we can be. Just ask Fidel Castro. That's ask a him threat. 600 times. <laughs> yeah. But that's a threat. Like, that is a direct... Do, do you guys think that's like a th- that's a direct oh, threat yeah. to like, Australia? What he just said is literally, he's threatening us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, their, yeah. That's, their, that's how they conduct diplomacy. I don't know if they would invade Australia, but he just put it in no uncertain terms. He just said he they probably they might they consider well, they do, it. Yeah, and as they have done before. 
I mean, well, let's ask yeah. ourselves this. Have they not already? Like, in all in, for all intents and purposes, America controls Australia. Yeah. You can, they control, I think they control, as I said, they were the largest foreign investor. Um, mm -hmm. I think they control more than half of the companies in Australia. More than half, yeah. Backed um, up by 50 top, military bases, right? 50 military bases that we have to pay for, by the way, Australia. <laughs> right? Of course. Those. Um, and then on top of that, we're selling a bunch of our ports. Um, and we also, ho we also have, um, I'm pretty sure we have CIA black sites here as well. Oh, yeah. But oh, let yeah. me ask you this. Have you considered that you might actually be coming out on top of this because you are getting eight submarines? <laughs> <laughs> Look, unless the fucking prime minister puts me in one of the submarines and I get to have a little ride around in it, then I do not personally benefit. <laughs> if he takes me for a little joyride around the country, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll uh, reconsider. But until then, I wonder how the support amongst the masses would change if, like, part of the deal was like everybody, and I mean gets everybody, ride. gets a ride. <laughs> <laughs> but then, but then, like, like number twenty in the line starts seeing the leaks, and they're like, "I'm out, I'm out." Yeah. Yeah, they're like, everyone gets a free trip in the F-35, and everyone's like, no, no. <laughs> we only have one parachute for the whole country. <laughs> and the U.S. But, um, can shut it off remotely at any time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jesus. But how, far, how fucking insane is that, though? That's like, a feature, that's not a bug. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, how fucking insane is that? How that, what Mearsheimer said to Australia was literally like a threat. And you're not, I'm not used to, I don't know about you guys, but I'm not used to seeing America like threaten countries that are like supposedly on the same. You know what I mean? Uh, what I'm trying to get at is here is white countries. That's what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. I mean, you have to look at it in the context of what we're doing to fucking Europe right now. Yeah. Right? Like our supposed allies. And this just, and that really just goes back to, I think it's Kissinger that America doesn't have allies. We've got assets, you know? I mean, and that's how everything is viewed. I mean, we are, you, you can't tell me that Schultz and Macron, like for all their fucking many faults and how they have, they, you can't tell me that they don't feel fucking icky needing to go up and glad hand about what's actually going on with the U.S. and what they're doing to them. We blew up the, the fucking pipeline that kept Germans, right? And also that they used to sell excess gas to make even more money. So on top of fueling their industry, it was a whole nother fucking avenue of revenue for them. We are fucking, we fuck our allies all the goddamn yeah. time. It's nothing new. I mean, this mm. is just how we operate. I mean, so, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't surprise me at all. And I mean, to, to talk about Mersheimer, I think like, Mersheimer, I mean, I don't think we would agree with him ideologically. I think he's just kind of like comes out of that realist school of like foreign policy, right? Where like he's analyzing how behaviors have, you know, he's basically analyzing how states behave on a global scale and kind of predicting what's going to happen. I mean, he fucking, he called the Ukraine shit back in 2014. I think he called it the primrose path, right? Where he said, if this is what's going to happen, this is how Russia is going to respond. This is going to be the result, right? So he's just analyzing and calling it like it is. And like, he's been right a lot. So, I mean, I, I would be inclined to trust what he says is the truth, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, it may not be some kind of like overt direct action, but it will be something to make sure that, or at least an attempt to make sure that America's interests get taken care of in your country. That's for sure. Mm. I mean, he's not speaking on behalf of America right. or anything like that. But what what he said 
effect, I could imagine that's the, the logic and rationale yeah. that would come behind from someone who's in the state. And they can't, count, they can't just get, come out and say it. He's just, say, he's just saying it because he can. Um, he's not part of the government. But it's like, that's pretty much what they, yeah, that's what they, that's what they would say if they could get away with, like, just saying the quiet part loud. Right. Um, yeah. And I think that's why, like, you know, because I brought up the Saudi Arabia-Iran thing. I think that's why it's important to recognize also that the kingdom of Saudi Arabia isn't aligning with China necessarily mm-hmm. or aligning, full, aligning fully with Iran, but I think they're trying to at least present some kind of non-aligned status, right? Like they're not trying to reject the U.S. because they know the implications of what that would mean for them, right? But they're trying to play that third you know, that third position, which, you know, we saw a lot of people get fucked by that back in the 60s and 70s as well, you know? Yeah, I, I love how we're it, laying out... Oh, go ahead. No, you go first, Ward. Uh, I just love how we're laying out, like, all the differences between the U.S. and China in terms of, like, handling wars. Like, they brokered a peace deal in Yemen while the U.S. fucking kneecapped a deal that was made, like, a while back... Or that was almost done between Ukraine and Russia a while back. Um mm-hmm. Like the differences in trade deals, like China will make you, give you a fair deal. The U.S. will invade your country in shock and awe. And like, hell, even the way China does war is completely fucking different. Like the only active conflict like China really has is like the Indian border conflict and guns aren't even allowed. <laughs> Some war. Wait, 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 wait what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, guns aren't allowed in the border conflict. It was like a deal that was brokered. Um Oh, yeah. And so, like, for, like, over a decade, I think, uh, they, there's been no guns involved. And so, like, there's just using, like, old-school man-on-man tactics, like, squad, like, melee weapons, like, clubs and shit like that. So, like, they'll get serious injuries, but there, like, hasn't been a death in a really long time. Wow. That's awesome. They should yeah. um just have fucking, like, Yu-Gi-Oh! duels or something. Over it's, that. like, scheduled and shit. Like, yeah. they, like, schedule it for, like, them to come out. A round out. of fisticuffs, like, you know. You yeah, know, like, really, it's like a release. We got our one seat today. <laughs> yeah, release those tensions, you know. But even the way that they're, they're much more responsive to their people's uh, protests than that. So this, this is, like, a common thing. People will talk about, like, the Chinese government being authoritarian, blah, 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 right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so when China did their COVID zero thing and that became like untenable because it was untenable at that point, the people started protesting, being like, hey, ease up the restrictions like a little bit. Don't do COVID zero. Do the thing before COVID zero, which is um, how a lot of other countries manage the virus successfully. Right. And the people protest. And then China did that. Like they lift. They actually in response to protests, they lifted their COVID zero policy and they um turn they did the they went a different route through managing the with more limited lockdowns than just locking down entire like cities and apartment blocks right so they actually responded to what their people wanted whereas currently right now in the united states there's a fucking entire state that's just being poisoned right because of that train Mm -hmm. that train derailment and people are protesting over that they've been doing it for like a month when did that train derail like january 10th yeah so two months basically and they've done nothing they've done literally nothing about it you know if i I was talking to my i was talking to one of the comrades in my party who's he lives in china right he goes there he said if that disaster happened in china you know what would happen how many officials would fucking get fired and thrown in prison for allowing that to happen 
people in charge of transport would literally be thrown. There would be accountability. People would be thrown in prison and people would be moved out of that area mm. and the whole area would be cleaned up and people would be moved back. Into um, the ghost cities. Did, yeah. And if people didn't do that, and if they didn't do that, what would happen is the Chinese people would protest and then the Chinese government would respond to the protest by doing the right thing, which they've done. They've been shown to do whenever the people protest, the Chinese government actually compromises with their people, which is like, it's why it's so funny when they talk about that country being authoritarian or whatever, because they're actually much more responsive to their people's demands than Western countries are. In Australia, mm. you go to prison for two years if you block a road. Two years. Ah, Jesus. Yeah, it, it's almost like China has figured out how to apply the principles of the mass line to a country of 1.5 billion people in terms of taking that feedback from the masses and implementing it into policy. It's fucking crazy. Go ahead, Matt. Speaking of feedback, I want to correct myself. It was actually February 3rd, not January 10th. I have no idea where I got that, but I don't want anybody uh, writing in and being like, Nat, you fucking idiot. You are off by three weeks. Yeah. You got the wrong. Uh, you got the wrong American uh, toxic spill. Um, there's just so many. <laughs> yeah, <of them>. right. <laughs> yeah. As if that's what's important here. The fact of the yeah. matter is, the response has been fucking abysmal, and nothing's going to change in terms of I, this. Uh, these railroad companies' control over this country. Um, yeah, what was it? LabCorp and Quest are no longer supporting uh, blood dioxin testing in the area. Oh Jesus! I, I'll tell you what just because I think we're moving to this and I think we'll probably start wrapping here soon. But I, I've said, you know, on my podcast, like I'm 40 miles from fucking East Palestine. And I think I told you all this before. And I went up and I interviewed some people for, uh, for breakthrough news. And, you know, one of the most fucking disarming things in the whole scenario was they've got like one of those like digital town signs, right. Where they've just got like, you know, welcome to East Palestine. And that just flashes to a different message. And so it says, welcome to East Palestine. And this is, again, right in the background here is the railroad, which is fucking running. Like this was probably two weeks after because I think they had the trains going like one week after. So they, they've got like a Norfolk Southern train running behind. And then it flips to the next screen and it says toxicology screenings brought to you by Norfolk Southern. Oh, my Call God. Call this number. Like that is the most dystopian fucking corporate fucking company town bullshit that you can imagine you think you think that you need to be worried about a fucking dystopian cyberpunk fucking corpo dominated future you're fucking living in it you're fucking living in it now they're bringing you the fucking testing for the fucking harm that they caused and you're and we're saying that this is okay i mean the cia did investigate itself and found that they did not traffic drugs yeah, would not fucking be insane. And they're testing for fucking VOCs. VOCs. Which type of vol volatile organic compound are you testing for? You can't just go in and test for generic VOCs. You have to test for a specific fucking thing to find it. VOC could be anything. There's a million different types of VOCs. That's the most generic term ever. Mm -hmm. And they're fucking in there that we're putting the people that caused this in charge of fucking responding to it, you know, to the point about China, imagine what they would do. Yeah. You can bet your ass that the entity in charge would be fucking paying for it, but they wouldn't be responsible for reporting on deliver and delivering the results. Mm -hmm. Well, we know what China would do. They executed that one billionaire that was like responsible for that derailment. And that's cool. That's very good. I am in support of that. Yeah. yeah. Like, they had a, a similar baby formula 
um, incident. Like, we didn't add it to the near uh, severity, but, like, that CEO got sentenced to death. What yeah. happened to over here? Just the free market, baby. Babies are still Let going ride. Tell you what, if you threaten those, if you threaten the rail uh, executives with uh, with the death penalty over a derailment, you can be sure as fuck they're gonna replace those Civil War era brakes immediately. <laughs> <laughs> immediately, they will be taking those trains off the rails and putting those new brakes that work better on them. <laughs> Fucking Just imagining like a like a like a train engineer like writing the Civil War style, like dearest Gertrude, the rails were rough today. <laughs> Yeah, that that's the craziest thing about it is learning that your train infrastructure uses technology from the Civil War, <laughs> like, from the fucking eighteen hundreds. Yeah, and it's like this is supposedly the richest country in the and, world. Yeah, and it's been reported on ad nauseum, and that the technology itself is a big component of it because it is a result of companies refusing to invest in infrastructure to make things safer because it's not profitable. But mm -hmm. the other big piece of this is, is that one of the demands that was part of like this potential rail strike back in, you know, November, December of last year was, you know, not continuing to limit the amount of time that, you know, the Carmen's union had to inspect these trains and everything like that, because there's this thing called precision scheduled rail, which all it is is to get more trains, you know, through a given point quicker and quicker to increase profits. And part of that is decreasing the amount of time that the workers have to actually inspect, you know, key um, operational features on the train, right? And workers have been fucking screaming about this and saying, if you keep you know, limiting the amount of time we have to look at this stuff, if you keep reducing our staff available, if you keep sh shredding our fucking workforce for profit, shit's going to go bad. And this was all part of, you know, what they were trying to fight against before Biden broke the fucking strike, right? So it's all, it's all part of it. And it all goes back to, you know, looking at profit. And that's, again, just to bring it back to China, why China's able to do so much more, because not everything is fucking predicated upon profit. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. just it. I mean, human good. We yeah. have this. We we do the same. We do the exact same thing here. Just in in my town, right? We have an air force base that has poisoned the land around it completely, and it's getting into the water table in the town that I live in, right? They reckon it's spreading, and this is, this poisoning has been going on for like thirty, forty years, because it's the air force base has been there for a while. There's been like a consistent campaign by locals and people in my city about this poisoning of the land. And the government's done nothing. We, you know how many governments we've had between now and then and they've done fucking mm. nothing? And it's seeping into the water table. They're just not respond. They don't, they don't respond to... Because to, a quote-unquote representative democracy only needs to make promises to get into office. And then once they're in office, they can do whatever the fuck they want. They don't need mm. to respond to, like, criticisms or anything. They actually don't need to respond to what the people want. You know, it's the same thing. I think a lot of, um, that's the only example I can think of here, but it's like, you know, you can like compare, you can compare East Palestine as well to like Chernobyl, I think in the sense that the China, uh, sorry, not the China, the Soviet Union, uh, they l evacuated, uh, Pripyat. They moved everyone out of Pripyat in a crazy short period of time and resettled everyone in other places. Mm -hmm. Like this is the, and, and gave them lifelong stipends. Yep. And Chernobyl is held up as this horrible disaster and this big cover-up and all the rest of it. And it's like, man, they fucking moved everyone out. Like, they did everything they could. And also, like, they took into account all the safety measures that they could at the time for the liquidators and the people who cleaned up the Chernobyl site. 
you know? If there was a Chernobyl-style disaster in the United States at the same period of time, to the same extent, would they have evacuated an entire town, is the question? There almost was, and they did not. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, I, I'm talking to people in this town, and if they didn't live further than a mile away, or if they lived further than a mile away from, like, the, the actual site, they weren't fucking evacuated. And if you saw what that smoke cloud looked like, I mean, to think that, like, people well beyond, I mean, even freaking 30 miles didn't need to be evacuated immediately for it to be safe, you're out of your fucking mind, you know? But, like, I'm telling you, like, there was a very small radius where they, they, I talked to a lot of people in that town that said, oh, no, I, I didn't have to go anywhere. They didn't tell me I had to go anywhere. And, like, they were living in the fucking town. And weren't they getting, like, headaches <sighs> and, like, burning eyes and shit like yeah. that? Yeah. So, I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a disastrous country. And all we have left right now is to continue to accelerate war, apparently. So, you know, Jared, and you made a good point about, like, the limits of representative democracy. But, I mean, I still think that we have some kind of responsibility to at least agitate and attempt to make our voices heard. If not to, you know, influence fucking the government because, you know, influence Biden, because I think that, uh, you know, so much of that policy is already decided, but at least to agitate and get more people to wake up. And it's a hard fucking path, but I think that's what our options are right now. Nat, go ahead. Yeah, to your point, Nick, uh, and I think I, I, I put this, or I tweeted this, or I put this in the chat or something like that. Um, I was out doing outreach um, two weeks ago, two weekends ago, and uh, every we were talking about the anti-war march on the 18th. Every single person, every single one that I talked to in this, like, ostensibly liberal working-class neighborhood, we know that the liberals are the ones that are mostly supporting the war in Ukraine right now, every single one of them was fed up with the spending on the war. They were all saying the same things. Why not fix our roads? Why not fix my child's school? You know, why not put, like one of them said, why not put ventilation for, uh, you know, in the school for, for COVID safety? Where's the money for that? Every single one of them. So like, yeah, it is, a, it is a, we have an uphill battle, but it's we funny. actually do have the people on our side. It's funny how they come around to the conclusions we made 12 months ago on everything mm -hmm. yeah. it's, well i think that a lot of them already had those conclusions not to interrupt mm. you but I, I really do think that a lot of them had those conclusions they didn't have the vocabulary maybe mm. to express that but they i think that more people than we think in our little online bubbles understand what's going on even if they can't quite articulate it themselves or at least put it in the terms we would put it in mm. yeah no, i agree and i think right now like i mentioned earlier People are definitely feeling this fatigue with Ukraine. And like we're talking mm -hmm. about tonight, we just need to make sure that that sentiment is carried over to no war with China. That's mm -hmm. it. I mean, that's my final thought tonight. No fucking war with China in any form, whether it be direct proxy or fucking otherwise. No war with China. You guys got yeah, anything okay. to close out on? They no war with China. Yeah. I'm just going to say they, they got fatigue from Ukraine after 12 months. If there was a war with China, they get fatigue from that after two weeks. It would fucking ruin your country. It would ruin America. It would ruin China. It would ruin the fucking world. It would be the worst travesty to ever happen. It would literally be the fucking worst. It's, mm -hmm. it's unthinkable. It is unthinkable. And yet we're barreling towards it. So, Could you imagine if China sanctioned us like we sanction other countries? <laughs> they probably Jesus could. Christ. 
Yeah, I probably I mean, could. We uh, talk about, you know, the free world being against us, well, or being with us, the global south and the vast majority of the world's population is against us. Mm-hmm. And they're more likely to look to China because, to bring it full circle, they have behaved and acted differently. Mm-hmm. Benevolently, even. Yeah. That's all I got, y'all. So I guess congratulations to Xi Jinping for a third term. He's going to oversee World War Three when it gets... <laughs> it's gonna, uh, poor dude. I don't want to be... Imagine getting a, Imagine being in charge when that happens. You're like, oh, whoops. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. No, thank you. Yeah. Well, hope to see... Uh, I know this will probably come out after, but hope to see some of you down in D.C. tomorrow for the Answer Coalition March. So, Hell yeah. take care, y'all. Take care, buddy. Have a good one. All right. Yeah.